Many years have passed since a fellowship of light battled the shadow creature at the Grey Haven. Now the heroes find themselves in an unknown land where they discover a man in black is wreaking havoc. Undeath follows him wherever he goes, and long-forgotten legends rise again, having been possessed by his evil. Join the players of this Dungeons & Dragons campaign as they attempt to stop the man in black as he collects artifacts both on and off the Lonely Isle. Welcome to Tolaricea in part two of the Inglorian Bastards trilogy, Rise of the Mormon. Alright everybody, welcome to episode 99 of the Inglorian Bastards podcast. Um, I would say campaign, but this is an interview night and, and I look so forward to the interviews. Tonight, I, um, I've, I've been waiting four months to have this interview. Um, and this tonight, I, I have the privilege of having the Canadian author David Day with me. He's the author of over 40 books, including at least a dozen on uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's myth and stories. Um, he's been writing for over 40 years. And um, just, just in communicating with him over the last four months, I'm re really excited to have him here to tell the stories that he's told to me via email. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, David. Well, thank you, Jerry. Um, and, and the way I usually start um, is I, I ask the person that I'm interviewing to maybe give a little background uh, on yourself um, and, and, and in your case, how you got into writing. Yes, I guess uh, it was really in the decade after high school, I, I sort of alternated between uh, uh, universities and, and logging camps for about a decade. I, I worked a good five years of that as a lumberjack, uh, but my, uh, my my first serious writing really came as a result of keeping journals while in wilderness logging camps. It, I had a lot of time in the evenings, quite often. Mm -hmm. My first book was uh, about uh, was a book of poetry about loggers working on Vancouver Island in northern British Columbia. Um, after that, I I did. Uh, Research and and uh, edited some magazines in, in, in uh, Vancouver Island. Then I, I worked for a publisher in Toronto, and in 1978 I moved to England, where I was based in London for about 30 years. I uh, I traveled around Europe a lot. I, I lived in Greece and Spain, and uh, I also traveled back and forth from Canada to the United States. But during that time, uh, I've made a living as a professional writer. I've published over 50 books, and it's, they're quite varied from poetry, fiction, fairy tales, history, ecology, natural history, literary criticism, and mythology. Um, and I've been a newspaper and magazine columnist and written for TV and film. And of course, uh, over the last 40 years, I've published a dozen books on uh, literary criticism on J.R. Tolkien. You know, the, the Tolkien Bestiary uh, came out in 1979. It was the very first illustrated guide to Middle Earth. And so it's the 40th anniversary this year. This year for, so it, uh, that's a little background. Wow, wow yeah. So I, I'm curious now, how, how did you, um, obviously you, you lived in, uh, you said London for many years, but how, how did you first experience Tolkien? When, when did you first hear about it, read it? Well, actually, it's curious. Um, I read I read him uh, 
early in the late 1960s. And again, it was like working when I was working in log, logging camp. And it was, uh, um, or it was, it was kind of interesting because I was working these giant cedar forests that really reminded me a lot of La Florian. Uh, and the amusing thing is that, you know, today they're um, in, uh, not far from where I worked in logging camps, there's now a tree crop uh, motel called La Florian where they live in these tribes and trees. <laughs> so I wasn't the only one who thought you know, that way. But I, I, I worked, but half the people I worked with were Native Indians, and I found the sort of forest spirits of their mythology very much in tune with, with, uh, both the, the wonderful and terrible aspects of, of the spirit of forests, in a way. And it, throughout my childhood, I've always been interested in mythology of the Greek, Roman, and Norse, uh, uh, particularly, but also American Indian. And there, uh, there was a sense of uh, connection, I suppose, then. Uh, another aspect of it is when I first went to England in 1973 for, for a while, I, I, uh, it was the year of Tolkien's death. And I discovered that my paternal grandfather was born in a, and, and, and raised in a, a rural country inn in Wolverhampton, which was just an hour's drive from uh, Tolkien's childhood home in Sarhole, uh, Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's some bizarre other connections. I spent quite a bit of time in Oxford and in, and, uh, in Bournemouth, where he, he retired. But also... Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, was in South Africa for a year, and uh, oh wow, I was a pain. <laughs> Largely, as a wonder, I suspect it was very different when he was there as a child. Now, you you mentioned um, mythology just now, and I and I I have I have a couple of your books, and 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 I can tell um, how well versed you are in, in in especially Norse mythology. It looks like um, I, I'm curious did. How did you, were you just an avid reader or do you have background in, in, you know, are you a, a myth, a, a Norse scholar? I suppose I, I, um, I, I say the first uh, decade after high school, I sort of split my time between logging camps and libraries of universities. <laughs> and I yeah. took a look, I, I was always fascinated as a child. Uh, I used to get all these 19th century books, uh, that were, you know, beautifully, uh, Beautifully bound hardcover books with, with uh, wonderful artwork in them, and I I uh, I saw Tolkien's work as I took him at his word that he wanted to create a mythology for England, and I guess that's part of the mission of my writing about Tolkien was uh, that uh, although you know like everybody, Lord of the Rings might be a favorite uh, Tolkien book, it, it was the Silmarillion that, that, it, that when, it, when it first came out. But I realized the um, the depth of his of his work, and uh, the similarly came in 1977, and I did by 1979, I I done the the uh, Tolkien bestiary, and mm-hmm. that was a, a really an attempt to uh, get that kind of medieval feel and look to a to a book that related it directly to to Tolkien. I mean, I. I've often said, you know, uh, that he wanted to, to create a mythology that was on par with Greek and Norse mythology, and I, I sort of see it as if, if, if the, the task that he did was unbelievable. Was un, you know, that he actually created a, a mythology out of nothing. I mean, Homer, mm-hmm. had, Homer had 
the whole of Greek mythology and history and literature to back him up. Vulcan had to invent everything. It was like he, he uh, like if Homer had written the Iliad and Odyssey, he would have had to invent all the rest of the stuff. Vulcan created the entire history of his world, and uh, for thirty-seven thousand years before you get to the Lord of the Rings, <laughs> right, right. You know, it's an insane thing to do, but it was quite a wonderful. Uh, I, I thought just a wonderful, amazing uh, project to do, and uh, it was something that. You know, actually was beyond his lifetime. I mean, Christopher had to do a lot of the heavy lifting afterwards. And uh, absolutely, uh, we must say that uh, it, it's sad that is uh, Christopher's passing. I mean, uh, you know, we, we owe a huge debt to him uh, in his uh, gathering of all all of Tolkien's stuff. I and mean, we wouldn't have the Silmarillion if it wasn't for right. Him. And he did it with class and honor, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so, so it's. I mean, I know he'd sort of just recently fairly retired from doing that work, but uh, we, we really have to honor him for for that. It just gives you know uh, the depth of uh, of what's there is is there because of Christopher. Apart from the fact we drew the maps for <laughs> for Tolkien for even when when the books were being first created when they did you know Lord of the Rings. It was mm-hmm. just drawing the maps. So, it was, well, I'm, so yeah. I'm just happy he got to do the, you know, the children of Hurin and the uh, Baron and Luthien and the fall yeah. of Gondolin. He got to sort of flush those stories out. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I was going to ask you um, what your, um, what your favorite of JRR's works were, but I think you answered that. It, uh, you, you mentioned the Silmarillion. Would you say that that is sort of your favorite of all of his writings? Well, I, th- I think uh, you know the, the Lord of the Rings is the most fun to read. <laughs> the Silmarillion uh, really. I, when, when the Silmarillion came out in 1977, actually, it was it it, it had a huge boost of publicity, but it, but it sort of fell flat immediately because people were expecting another Lord of the Rings, and they went, "What the hell is this?" You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to me, it was like brilliant because I and I like. A lot of people. I've read all the, the Lord of the Rings annex, uh, you know, the, all the, the notes at the back and everything. I wondered about all this, and I thought he couldn't possibly have created all this history from you know, through all the Numenorians and the gods and things like that. And just, uh, I, I, but he did. He did. <laughs> and and uh, when the Silmarillion came out, I thought, wow, it's you know, and that the reason I. I, I did the best Ray when I did was because when the Silmarillion came out, it, it, it allowed you to explore that whole world. I mean, uh, just the, the the whole of the Undying Lands and all of the the, the, the prehistoric stories uh, behind behind Lord of the Rings that explained so much. But it was yeah. like, uh, because that I'd read as a child Greek Greek and Norse mythology and and uh, a lot of other types of mythology around the world. Uh, I was quite taken by the Silmarillion, but I could also see why people uh, would be would scare people right away who, who ha- didn't have that kind of background. So yeah. I, I really uh, I felt almost obliged to do uh, what I the reason I did as a bestiary form was that um, I I'd, I'd taken bibliography courses at universities and had studied you know older manuscripts and. Uh, after the Bible in the Middle Ages, the the, uh, the best was the most popular form, 
because they didn't actually separate sort of uh, elephants from dragons. That they, and they were wonderfully illustrated with beautiful illustrations and everything. And, and uh, they, they were the equivalent of the natural history encyclopedia of their uh -huh. time. And I just thought, if I was going to do a reference book on, on, on Tolkien, why not do a, a sort of a medieval uh, approach to it as, as you know these 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 creatures and and all these uh, different races of beings and stuff like that because they it uh, I just thought it would it, it would be a, a way of approaching it and I was very lucky because I got a great designer and great artists to work on it and uh, they they uh, they spent an enormous amount of money they, they I think it was eighty thousand pounds. Uh, on production costs on that book, so it's the only book in that world in the world with with that typeface. They they made a typeface specially for it because they wanted to have a good that kind of look to it, and they got people like Ian Miller, who is this wonderful. I mean, his his drawings look like steel engravings, and uh, mm -hmm. they fit into this uh, this appearance of of a, a kind of a medieval uh, manuscript that. I was thinking of how Tolkien created this idea that these manuscripts were written by hobbits and passed on through various ways. I mean, I, I'd sort of toyed with the idea of, of saying, you know, this manuscript had just been discovered and it's an old bestiary of Tolkien's world. But they, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it, it, uh, I, I was just pleased with the, the, the way in which I, I got a, a team of, of artists and stuff that, that, that were really uh into doing it that you know the, with that kind of look well the the books are beautiful um especially the the two that i have um, the the first of your books that i picked up was called the battle of tolkien and um i remember you know anytime i go into a barnes and noble i'll um I'll go over to the to the fantasy section and to to the Tolkien wall, <laughs> and uh, in you know I can usually spot right away any new books, um, and uh, the this this uh, beautiful red book um, stood out, and uh, and it's just it's, it's just a beautiful thing. Um, but if I if I could, you mentioned um, you mentioned um, I think the term reference. Right, a reference book was was that kind of your primary motivation for for writing these books? Um, was it as a as a reference uh, for, for for fans? Well, I, it was written basically to explore his his world. Uh, it, it's in, interesting that the, um, for instance, uh, I sometimes get criticism over there's a map that I made this forty years ago, and I, I'm getting complaints about it at times from people who say, "Oh, it's not." the way we see it and there's these other maps well this was done 40 years ago and i uh at the time i i i wanted to have a my, my approach to to all these books is that you don't have to speak elvish in order to understand them you don't have to you know you you can be a, a first-time person coming to tolkien you can be a, a people who are widely experienced I'm, I'm approaching it in a way that it's it is a guide to his world i I think, you know, for instance, uh, there are other guides, but they're not really guides. They're they're basically uh, indexes that are annotated. You 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 can't orient yourself with it. And so, with with the best area and and all the subsequent books, I've tried to give a, a a means of orienting yourself immediately in each one of them, so that you understand the thirty. Like it's it's when I talk about any of the characters. It's within the context of that thirty-seven thousand years, 
So in the context of the parts of the world uh, uh, have disappeared and reappeared and, and in fact the world changes entirely. So the first map I did was I, I pointed out, you know, look at some of Tolkien's maps, uh, and the, the ones that are in the books, but there weren't very many when I did that. Yeah, yeah. Numenor was mentioned, but it, it, nobody knew that it was star-shaped until several books on uh, after, you know, in, in Lord of the Rings, you have no sense of that, and then in, in the Cimmerillion, you don't, you don't have that. But what I what I said was, you know, this is to show. I mean, the the catch line underneath is that it's it's a um, the uh, the arda throughout the ages that show you how you can get from the undying deadlands to Middle Earth and where mm-hmm. all these things would would occur if you could put them in one map. And, uh, and I guess I, 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 the people are people are saying like forty years later, this you know, that uh, oh, well, this isn't the way we see it, and there's new maps that have come out. Of course there are, but that was yeah, sure. the way of orienting people. And I, and I very specifically said that you know, this is a generalized uh, map of through 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 time. Well, can I, can I read a, a piece from, uh, I believe it was from your new book, an encyclopedia of Tolkien. This came from the introduction. It says, this book is intended for those general readers of J.R.R. Tolkien who wish to learn more about the genius behind this awesome body of literature and the origin of some of the author's remarkable ideas. Through tracing the source of inspiration in Tolkien's world, as well as its shared themes and motives, it is, a, uh, it is hoped readers may appreciate the archetypal dimension of myth and legend so enthralled Tolkien throughout his life. Um, anything you want to say about that? Uh, or does it speak for itself? <laughs> yeah, say it, it tries to, you know, like, put everything in context. I also like, it, it's one approach that I've taken uh, is that I'm, I'm, rela- I'm taking Tolkien as word, I'm relating uh, his writing, his characters to those in Arthurian romance, in Norse mythology, and uh, even Egyptian mythology, where he's he's so widely read. I mean, in terms of his, his where he's drawing on things. I mean, the whole Numenor is based on you know uh, the, the Atlantis legend of, of Plato and mm-hmm. uh, how how all those I. I tried it, in, particularly in, in the, the big leather-bound book that I did with, with uh, on, on the encyclopedia, is is to make that connection with with world literature that, that he's dealing with an archetypal world world that is in fact in most of the world's mythologies, and he's he's created a mythology that is on equal terms with those. Well, um, so you you did um, you you came out with a series, a book series, right around the time that the the movies came out, I believe. Can you can you talk a little bit about those? Well, actually, uh, I, it wasn't. What what happened was that uh, about two thousand and two, I had I had one book, uh, one new book uh, come out uh, that, that was called The World of Tolkien, but. In fact, what happened was that the uh, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings came out 2001, 2002, 2003. And uh, in 2002, this, this, this book came out. But what happened was the six previous books, the, the Tolkien Bestiary, the Illustrated Encyclopedia, the Tolkien Companion, uh, Tolkien's Ring, which I did with, with uh, Alan Lee, and the Hobbit Companion were also 
just uh, reprinted continuously while while those films were on. I mean, other mm-hmm. even boosted. Uh, and in fact, I mean, of course, uh, Alan Lee, who I've been friends with for most of my adult life, uh, we we did. Uh, he was. Uh, he, he, they tried to commission him for the vestuary, but in fact, uh, he was working on something else. So, but after that, his uh, Ian Ballantyne, who was the first publisher of, of, of Tolkien in paperback in America, uh, came to me and, and said, "Would you like to do a, this book on castles with Alan Lee? Because he really liked what you did on, on the vestuary." And uh, that led to a we met in upstate New York in Woodstock and. and mm. uh, and that sort of led to a long. We did. We've done, uh, I think, five books together now. And uh, I was the one who actually uh, introduced him. Well, I, when we did, I, he wasn't really particularly into Tolkien before that. He was into uh, Celtic mythology, and uh, he did his fairies books. And uh, I, I got him to do the uh, Tolkien's Ring, that was mostly about uh, the mythological sources of Tolkien. And uh, brought him into to Harper into Harper Collins, and uh, so they they immediately grabbed him up when they saw what he was doing. <laughs> of course. So uh, and uh, and then I he also uh, got into film largely because I one of my best friends in in, in uh, London is, is Terry Jones and uh, and Michael Palin from the Python. Really? Uh, yeah, and they. Um, um, Terry hired hired him to do a, a, a book uh, a, a film uh, that was uh, called Eric the Viking. Oh yeah, and uh, so he he, uh, he started getting in, into the film business there. But the the, the, the Tolkien stuff was uh, something that uh, yeah, because he was a little distant from it first, and uh, would start to be enthusiastic after that, and. Uh, subsequently done quite well with it. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned um, one of my questions was going to be about any exciting collaborations that you've done in the past. And, and you, and you mentioned Alan Lee. Yeah. Um, is it, is it, I, I believe you, you mentioned um, a story about John Howe as well. Do you want to tell oh, yeah. that? Well, John, John's another Canadian. He's from uh, Vancouver originally. And uh, he, uh, Approached me about because he well actually he, he said uh, Tolkien's Ring the one that I did with Alan was one of his favorite books and uh, he asked me to collaborate with him on a, a TV series he did uh, it was in uh, French German production on the on the Hobbit uh, that sort of uh, I think it's called Discovering the Hobbit and uh, he he invited me to uh, come with him down the Rhine Valley and we went from castle to castle along the Rhine and discussed uh, the sort of Germanic roots of, of Tolkien and where I, I said to him like, uh, like like Middle Earth the mythology of Germany has a river running through it and so he, uh, we uh, yeah we, we we had a great time it was wonderful we, we turned up in at least uh, quite often freezing castles <laughs> 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 and uh, and uh, did uh, uh, you know just discussing Tolkien and and his characters in the context of uh, Germanic mythology? He also did one on Icelandic ones and uh, uh, English sources. So he was he was sort of following the trail I started with Tolkien's Ring and uh, you know tracing the uh, 
concerned, but we had a, a really good time. His, his wife and my wife were there, and uh, we had a terrific time doing that. I mean, I've worked with a lot of different illustrators. I mean, besides uh, Alan and, and John, uh, I, I've uh, with Ralph Steadman and uh, Gerald Scarf, who did the wall with the, you know, uh, and uh, Ralph Steadman did Fear and Loathing. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, so and and. Yeah, a lot of uh, I, I, for years I, I did a lot of uh, journalism on. Uh, I was one of the people involved in Greenpeace near the beginning, and uh, I uh, did uh, environmental uh, journalism, and uh, uh, I did one a book called The Whale War, and another one uh, called uh, Eco Wars, and uh, I had a big book on extinction of species called. Uh, the Doomsday Book of Animals, which is all the animals that became extinct uh, after the dodo, sort of. Uh, and, and, uh, I feel and, like that that book might uh, it could be uh, longer and longer every day. <laughs> yeah, sadly, sadly so. And in fact, I mean, I, I ended up doing uh, just in 2012 uh, almost an updated version of it. But I had great wildlife artists working on on that as well. And, uh, and all the, the Doomsday book was, um, uh, the forwards done by, by the Duke of Edinburgh, because uh, he was head of the World Wildlife Fund at that time. And, uh -huh. uh, and he, uh, it was, it was picked by Time Magazine as one of the top 20 books of the year. So that immediately doubled the sales on it. Was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet it did. Well, you, you've been talking about the illustrators that you've worked with, um, in, in talking with you via email. Um, there are a few other illustrators that I want to ask you about. Before I do that, I'm going to read another uh, quote from, uh, this one is from the introduction of your The Battles of Tolkien. This says, uh, for as entertaining as it may be to examine Tolkien's battles as a colorful series of war games, his dramatic account of these conflicts are so much more than variations of battles in a game of Dungeons and Dragons. Well, as it so happens, <laughs> my my podcast is. Uh, uh, I like to think of it as more than just Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it's a, is a carefully crafted story woven into Dungeons and Dragons and Tolkien's lore. Um, but you you had communicated to me that um, you know you you had you had worked with some of these people that had well, experience I, I, you know I, I i didn't mean to denigrate dungeons and dragons <laughs> no 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 i didn't think that at all no i, I the, the thing is uh it, it uh it, yeah with it, it, since since when the, when the best area came out it was uh i, I got i kept on getting contacted by dragon masters or dungeon masters who were informing me that the the best area was an excellent re reference book for them um, oh, yeah. But I, I, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised because uh, Ian Miller and, and John Blanche, are, are, who were two of the major artists on the vestiary uh, and, and in the encyclopedia, uh, they, uh, in the 1980s, they were uh, games workshops and, and white uh, editors and, and uh, were very much involved in that sort of world with uh, the White Dwarf magazine and Warhammer games and models. Uh, Ian also worked with, uh, on, on, he did the, a lot of the background uh, sets for the sets of Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings film, the, the animated one. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't a great film, but the, the, the backdrops were look good. <laughs> uh, 
And then he also worked with Michael Crichton and, and uh, uh, Guillaume del Toro, who claimed that you know, Miller was one of the, the great oh, wow. of the 20th century. He said he really, del Toro was really inspired by Miller's, Miller's art. Uh, in the 90s, uh, we had uh, uh, Mel Grant uh, in, the, in the 1990s was a, was a prominent figure in fighting fantasy game books, but also uh, he did Iron Maiden album covers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> now you're talking so, my language. <laughs> yeah. So there was, uh, and that's the, 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 one of the most, uh, this year we also did, looking back 40 years, uh, an illustrated uh, a book of about the illustrators of over that 40-year period, and it's quite fascinating looking at, you know, like uh, some of you know Mel Grant's versions of, of the of the uh, of the bell rod compared to Ian, Ian Miller's 20 mirrors before that, and, and uh -huh. how, you know the, the fantasy art changes through that that time. And uh, this new book is a sort of large format one that uh, uh, the, the illustrators of Tolkien and. Uh, it's it's quite uh, quite interesting comparing how how that all that uh, fantasy art has expanded and changed over that period. One of the you know one of the great pleasures of my life is actually that most of my books, not just the ones that you know the forty others that I wrote that not besides the uh, the Tolkien books, uh, I've always worked with great artists, and it's a, a real pleasure to. You know, be able to give them a vehicle for for uh, the, this uh, you know their their vision and and how how as I say it's changed over that period of time. But I was going to mention about the uh, what you're saying about this the series that I did. Well, in, in the last five years, we've done uh, almost a new version of of everything with this. Uh, in fact, it's coming out next year as a box set. Of the six books uh, that, that goes from the, the Tolkien uh, dictionary uh, through, like the one you've seen uh, on, on the uh, the, battle. the battles. Yeah, the, the, it's a it's a six volume set, and uh, they're all designed in a, in, in a similar way with this uh, this leather like the covers and everything, and. and uh, I think the designers did a brilliant job of it, and uh, they they have a they're sort of a complete uh, reference library of Tolkien from different approaches. Well, uh, David, I I, um, I have to ask you. Um, so, in in doing research, um, you, you had mentioned some of these disagreements with with people on on maps and various other you know various things. Um, in, yeah. in doing in doing research about you, I, I did see some some uh, some of these disagreements on various websites with with Tolkien enthusiasts and, and including the the Tolkien society yeah. um, I, I know we've talked and and it's been upsetting for you um, I, I you know if there's anything that that you want to say about this um, say say what you're what's on your mind uh, yeah I, it's what's what's interesting is that uh, from what I can determine it was sort of about the mid 1990s when the internet became quite, quite popular. <laughs> Uh, there was a kind of persistent trolling of my books by about I don't know, about one percent of the, the reviewers. Most most of my books have been uh, throughout have been uh, reviewed uh, at you know four or five star level, but there's always a, a couple down at the bottom, which you, I guess you can expect for 
different things. It's just that it's taken a rather vicious tone. However, I didn't really become aware of it until about a, a good decade later, in 2008, when I, I'm, I'm sort of not big on, on media stuff. I didn't really use uh, Google or the internet much before 2008. So uh, fortunately, I, I, was, I was sort of blissfully unaware of about a decade of abuse. <laughs> uh, but uh, when, I, when I finally got onto uh, Google and looked up and I looked up the Tolkien Society, I found I'd been blacklisted, which, <laughs> I mean, I really regret this kind of misunderstanding, but it was, you know, it was evidently around 2004 I went to a, a, a Tolkien conference and uh, I'd been invited twice before uh, in the, the 80s and 90s uh, and gone there without anything. I just happened to be in Oxford and, and uh, went to it. And I, I didn't really think that much of it, but evidently uh, I, uh, it, it was a time when I was moving between Canada and, 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 uh, and, and England and evidently they'd sent me correspondence that I never received. So uh, there was evidently a fee to be paid. <laughs> I was totally aware of this, but it was like four years later by the time I found out. And uh, I don't know, it was, it was something that uh, was almost impossible to fix. And, uh, but the point is, that does, does anybody really think I, I'd go to black of my name at the Vulcan Society for not paying a fee? Anyway, the other aspect is you do get crazy people like this guy who uh, put 150, uh, uh, attacked uh, David Day books on good Goodreads and 150 different books. Uh, unfortunately, only 60 of them were my titles. There were another 90 blameless David Days who wrote books on carpentry, bulldozing, psychiatry, life of Jesus. Poor guys who got got these one star ratings and abuse. <laughs> well, the the internet can be a good thing and a bad thing sometimes, um, <laughs> you know. But I I, I know that. Um, you know, and, and just in talking with you, I can tell, you know, how frustrating this, this is and how, how upsetting, you know, you've dedicated 40 years of your life, um, <laughs> about, you know, writing about Tolkien and Tolkien's work. Um, so, well, thank you for letting me at least bring that up. Well, um, I don't want to end on that note. I, no. I am, cu I, I, I am curious about, um, what you're working on now. And if there's anything that you're really excited for coming out, um, I, I know you mentioned the, um, the what was it, the five or six volume series? Yes, yeah. Well, that's that's great. It's the uh, they're they're doing a, a box set of six of the, these these beautifully designed uh, books. Uh, uh, there's also uh, let's say I, like Tolkien. I start I started with writing poetry, so I've got a, a selected poems uh, called Evidence of Life, which is a, a I've done six books of poems, and uh, this is sort of like a, a selected uh, book of poetry, and it's, it comes from a quote. Uh, the title comes from a quote by Leonard Cohen, who said, "Poetry is the evidence of life. If your life is burning well, poetry is just the ash. Hmm. Uh, it's a book of ashes, I guess." But, <laughs> uh, but, uh, and also, I, I, they're doing a new version of, of uh, my uh, book on extinction of species called Nevermore. Uh, it's just coming out, but uh, the, but the for. People on here, I think the uh, the last of the six volumes, The Hobbit, Hobbits of Tolkien, uh, is coming out, and the box set is coming out as well. So, uh, yeah, that's that's worth 
Awesome. Well, I'll be on the lookout for that. Um, David, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And, My pleasure. Um, My pleasure. All right. And good luck. You too. You too. Though this marks the end of the episode, the road goes ever on. Until next time, join us at longwinded.one and consider giving us a review on Apple Music, Spotify, or really whichever platform you choose.